Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. 
Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into the Secret Teachings radio show right here, five nights a week, on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact us here at The Secret Teachings, you can email us at rdgableerdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, and check out our website with the full show archive and more at www.thesecretteachings.info. It is Friday night, June 4th, 2021, our first week back on radio from the studio being set back up and the network being established at a new location. Last two nights we had some pretty powerful shows, and if you missed those shows, they are in the archive on the website. They'll also be rebroadcasting on the Fringe FM you can search for the application to download it for free, Fringe FM, or just type in Fringe, F-R-I-N-G-E, dot F-M. That's Fringe dot F-M. And check out the lineup of all of the shows on the network, not just The Secret Teachings, again, airing Monday through Friday. I thought this week would be the best week to cover the subject that we're going to talk about tonight. Because early June... You've probably heard a lot about this in the news. It is Pride Month. Now, Pride Month means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It means positive things. It means negative things. It means, to some people, nothing at all. To others, they're not really sure what Pride is. I'm going to do my best tonight to talk about this subject, along with a number of other topical news stories, and... I'm going to attempt to provide you with a secret teachings angle to the subject matter. And I'm going to do that despite the fact that I'm sure there will be some people who will want to hear nothing of what I have to say because of ignorant and discriminatory assumptions made about me, what they may think I believe politically or what they might think I believe sexually or racially. See, here's the thing I never understood. When I moved to my first apartment out of high school, I lived with my grandma for a couple of months and to get back down to Florida from West Virginia where I went to high school. I moved back down to Florida, and I ended up moving into an apartment in Orlando, Florida. And I went to a film school there called Full Sail University. And when I went to film school, I didn't have a lot of friends, but I made a few friends and I also did projects with people in the class. And uh, when I was doing those projects, I'd have to go to people's homes, go to their apartments. And I was around a lot of, a lot of drugs. People did a lot of heroin, a lot of cocaine, you know, virtually everybody was 
high all the time smoking weed uh, or mar- I don't like to call it weed, but smoking marijuana and uh, doing a number of other things that I, you know, I was really exposed to that for the first time. That's not something that I grew up with. I was around it a lot in public school and high school, but I didn't really know a lot about it. I knew that I wasn't interested in doing any of those types of drugs. But when I was in film school and I was working on those projects towards the end of my my film school years, as I transitioned into radio, and it was totally unrelated that I got into radio through film, I was doing a radio show at a local college radio station. And I was talking about things like war, and I took a more libertarian approach to the subject matter at the time. And I talked about things like symbolism, and I spoke to people about things like the war on drugs and 9-11. And at the time, I had made friends with a, a radio DJ in Orlando. He did a radio show, and he had a friend who became my friend at the time. Uh, he went by the name Rebel Black, and he was a gentleman from Haiti. And he would come into the radio studio, and he would tell me, he's like, you know, he had a very strong accent, but he's like, you know, man, I, I've listened to a lot of radio shows and I've listened to a lot of people talk about the things that you talk about. He said, but I've never heard somebody who was white. And, I, and when he said that, I was taken back. I didn't know what white had to do with anything. He said, I've never heard anybody who's white who thought those things or who could express them in a non-discriminatory manner. And I talked to him and he said, he said, man, if you ever want to come over to the place I live He's like, there's a lot of people that live on my side of town who listen to your show and who really enjoy what you have to say. And he, he pretty much lived in the ghetto of Orlando. And I told him, I said, I, and I was much younger. I was like 20 years old. I was like, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable going to that ghetto any more than I feel comfortable living in the crappy ghetto apartment I live on. I live in, in, in Orlando. He's like, well, he's like, trust me, man, you've got street cred over there. <laughs> and I never really believed that or took that to mean anything. But he told me one time that there were uh, prisoners at the prison, uh, people that had been uh, put in prison for nonviolent drug offenses, uh, and they would listen to my show in prison, you know, people that had the ability or had the option to listen to radio. And over the years, um, you know, I had a couple of years there at that radio station. You know, I, I hung out a lot with my friend who was a DJ. His name was Aaron. Uh, and I would go to, you know, uh, he he was a part owner in a club and I would go to the club with him and uh, there'd be like, you know, new rappers that would come and they'd perform, uh, famous rappers. And at the same time, I was living with a, a guy, we were both pretty big hockey fans. He was from New Jersey. So we'd, we'd watch a lot of hockey, and a lot of TV shows because we were in film school and he would do photography for a lot of local rappers in Orlando. And one of the rappers that he did photography for uh, was Two Chains, or as he was known in Orlando, Titty Boy, uh, <laughs> which is a great rap name, Titty Boy. So I got to meet uh, Two Chains on a couple of occasions, and I had, I guess you could say, his crew would come over to my apartment, and uh, I never partook in the drugs, but they would do. They'd roll up a lot of big fat, you know, big fat blunts. And they'd smoke or they'd ask me like, man, you got a radio show. Can you spin this track on your show? And I said, well, it's a talk show, but, you know, maybe I'll do some music here or there. 
and I was just like in this community. And it confused me greatly the first time someone, for political reasons, accused me of being some kind of racist or white supremacist. I thought, what, what are you talking about? What, what does that even mean? What do you mean I'm a white supremacist? I think I'm better because I'm white? I, I never understood that. And at first I thought, I'm like, everybody I know is like black. Like, that's the only community I hang out with in Orlando, I just a bunch of rappers and a bunch of basically drug dealers. And I've got like two white friends who are involved and I don't really do anything else. You know, I'm just I was suspicious to some people. They thought I was a cop probably because I didn't do drugs. But that was like the community I was in. And I, di- I never felt discriminated against in that community. And I never discriminated against anybody in that community. Everybody loved me. They liked the radio show. They liked what I thought about things. We had, you know, people that, you know, smoke weed or something. You get into those deep conversations and their eyes are burned out. And they're like, whoa, man, tell me again about the Illuminati. And I never really understood what people were talking about. And then I started to, over the years, I started to travel a little bit more around the country. And I lived in Idaho and I lived in Arizona and now living in New York. And I started to realize that, the, the the true racism or the discrimination, whatever you want or choose to call it, that I felt uh, existed predominantly in the world were in places where people were very, very well-versed in something that they weren't aware was an institutional form of doctrine. And I learned what that doctrine was after some time understood it better in the last probably four years, three, four years. And that doctrine is a doctrine that is meant to segregate and marginalize and take power from people, but not from, you know, who, who you might think. Um, it's meant to take power and to marginalize not horrible, racist white people, it's meant to marginalize the black community. It's meant to marginalize pretty much any community of quote-unquote color. It's meant to segregate those communities all under the verbal and the signage, etc., 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 of we care, we want to provide an equal and just society. And when I realized that and I understood that that was an actual ideological doctrine, it made more sense why the only people that seemed to be that obsessively concerned with such a subject tend to be white people who are usually Democrats. And that made me scratch my head for a while. And then I read a number of books about the true history of the Democratic Party and I realized, okay, the people I know who are Democrats and the people that I know who lean to the left politically, those are different uh, ideas and ideologies. Those are not the same kinds of people. And I thought, why are they attaching themselves to the Democratic Party? What, like the modern, what does that have to do with anything? And then I realized, oh, the modern Democratic Party has been hijacked by a group of people who in essence, the the ideology of those people founded the Democratic Party in true 
white supremacist fashion. And when you trace that back, you find Democratic senators and Congress people, you find rich, powerful landowners who, according to all of the people who believe in critical race theory, those are the people that we need to get rid of in our society, when in essence they represent that small minority sect of our world. Not the minority you're thinking of, perhaps, but the true minority sect, the, 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 the slave owners historically, this plantation owners historically, the Democratic senators of the white, basically nationalist Ku Klux Klan. That is a small minority. And those people realized over the decades that that behavior, that attitude is unacceptable in a civilized society, and in particular, a society in which the basis is all men are created equal, an idea that goes back to the time of people like John Locke, an idea that was not created by Thomas Jefferson, uh, an idea that flourished in Europe and made its way to the United States as the foundation for the, the basis of our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence. Now, I know it's hard for some people to grasp this idea because we have been constantly and consistently told that not only are people of a certain skin color inherently bad, but that the history of the United States of America is likewise inherently racist, inherently evil, inherently sexist and bigoted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But see, that's the that's the one size fits all rhetoric that's easy to repeat and that's easy to listen to in a sense because it doesn't require much thought it doesn't require much attention all it requires is an emotional response to what sure on the surface seems like an injustice and seems like something that you today can do something about it's rallying people through emotions to a political cause even though it's supposed to not be any type of political cause so what happens is basically you realize this is an ideology that absolutely comes from the earliest days of what we now call the United States. But it doesn't, it didn't get created there. It wasn't founded there. It's a human ideology that has persisted through the whole of human civilization. It's persisted among tribes in Africa. It's persisted upon various cultures throughout Europe and in Asia. The idea that some humans because of their wealth or because of their skin color or because of their religion are superior to other groups. And the, the, the slightly humorous irony to that is that the other groups that are often discriminated against tend to see the group that's discriminated against them as being inferior to themselves. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. This is, a, this is if you want to call it a problem, it's a human problem in essence. So when you break all this down, you start to realize there's something wrong here. There's something that we've not been told. A lot of information has been omitted. And not only has that information been omitted, uh, it's been, I guess you could say, scarily omitted. Like to the point where in the 21st century, we are essentially, if you listen to the media, on the verge of civil war. Uh, however, 
that isn't really what's going on in the real world. That's the perception that the media creates. And we're going to talk about that tonight on The Secret Teachings and Pride Month as well. When we come back from break, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. We'll be back. You are listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, where you can catch The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable five nights a week after Lighting the Void with Joe Rook. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donation Subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app free in google play and the ios app store do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in join me jess rogie the host of the rogie report where we explore the unrevealed every wednesday night live at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern here on the fringe fm ktlk digital broadcasting This is Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. 
If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. Let's get right into it. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Trying to put a little bit of a secret teaching spin on a very controversial topic. One that is unfortunately associated with political ideology. And one that should be more focused on human psychology and history, I believe. You might have seen this in the news, but Amazon is building a very large distribution center in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, or technically in Windsor, Connecticut, but the New Haven ABC affiliate news, WTNH, has been reporting this over the last few weeks, that at this construction site where they're building the distribution center, there have been seven nooses found hanging at the construction site. Seven nooses. The first incident was reported on April 27th when a hangman's noose was found hanging from a steel beam on the second floor of the building, according to ABC. Two days later, that's the 29th of April, five more ropes that resembled a noose were found on several floors throughout the building. So they said it resembled a noose found on multiple floors throughout the building. A spokesperson for Amazon, Kelly Nantle, said, quote, Hate, racism, or discrimination have no place in our society and are certainly not tolerated by Amazon, whether at a site under construction like this one or at one that we operate. On May 27th, a few days ago, an eighth noose was found at the construction site in Connecticut, according to CNN and other major media publications. Now, there is absolutely no indication... And if there were an indication, the FBI, the local authorities, and the news would have published it everywhere, that this was motivated by hatred, by racism, or by any form of discrimination or a feeling of personal superiority. All they've said was that they found what look like or what resemble nooses hanging in the building. Now, if you recall... The last two years, around this time, around June, have provided us with what amounted to what people call fake news or falsified news reports with critical omissions in the details. For example, last June 2020, there was the story of Bubba Wallace and the NASCAR garage where a noose was supposedly hanging, and Daryl Wallace Jr., or Daryl Bubba Wallace Jr., black driver, became the champion of anti-racism 
And he went on the news and was promoted as a victim of racial hatred. It all sounds good. But the problem is, there was no noose hanging in Daryl's garage. There was a pull-down garage door rope. And it was very common in NASCAR and in other garages to loop the rope so that you can pull the rope down to close the garage door easier. And that came out just a few weeks after the incident, after the racial incident that resulted in basically 24-hour news coverage of racism in NASCAR. Somebody put a noose in Daryl Wallace's garage. Turns out it wasn't a noose. It was a rope that was hanging to close the garage door. You go back to 2019, February 2019, you had the publicity stunt, it was called, of Jesse Smollett. February 2019, CBS Chicago published a news article that acknowledged that Jesse Smollett paid two men by check to stage an attack. Police said, quote, this publicity stunt was a scar that Chicago didn't earn. Remember, Jesse Smollett claimed that he was attacked somewhere in the early morning hours, freezing, freezing cold temperatures, and he was attacked by these two Trump-supporting white supremacists. Well, it turns out they were Nigerian black men who were paid by check. Literally, he, it's, there's a paper trail to stage the attack. And it wasn't obviously an attack. It was a staged event that led to Jesse Smollett being a victim and people calling for racial justice. And it turns out it was all just faked, like the Darrell Wallace incident. It was a much more severe incident because Jesse Smollett uh, had to give up his passport and he had to go to trial and he had to go to jail. And I believe he was also ordered to pay back the police department in Chicago for the money they spent investigating the incident. Remember, they came to his his home there in Chicago, and he had the noose around his neck still. You know, very traumatized by it, but he went home and had a drink and left the noose on his neck. So when I think about Amazon finding these various ropes hanging throughout their building, and even when the local news says that they found a rope that resembled a noose, I start thinking, hmm, Dara Wallace. I start thinking, hmm, Jesse Smollett. I start thinking, hmm, why is the noose a symbol or supposedly a symbol of racism and hatred to begin with. And so I did a little bit of investigative research. And I pulled up a major university, University of Missouri, uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City, on their website. They have a list. Since 1882, all the way to 1968, with the statistics being provided by the archives of the Tuskegee Institute, which is kind of ironic, Tuskegee, 
and it gives a list of all the lynchings that have been carried out on not just black folks, but on white folks as well since 1882, between 1882 and 1968, 1882 and 1968, there have been 4,743 lynchings in the United States. 3,446 African Americans, 1,297 whites have been lynched in the United States since 1882 up until 1968, according to the statistics that were kept by the Tuskegee Institute. Now, when you put that into the equation, you might think, well, a lynching, which I don't think I need to describe the, the nature of on the show for a lot of reasons, but a lynching is it's not a good thing, all right? And there's a long history of lynchings, and it kind of became this, this symbol of this, this, this manner, this, this way, this, this uh, action to express hatred for African Americans, for black folks, and to not only attack black people, but also white people, because 1,000-plus white people have also been lynched since 1882. Why is that? Well, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the videos and the photographs of Martin Luther King marching with white people. Or the documentaries or the stories of white people that attempted to support movements of black equality in some parts of the United States, and they themselves were also put in jail. It reminds me that, and it should, if it doesn't remind you, it should help you to learn that the history of what we call racism and discrimination is not based, no pun intended, on a very simplistic black and white view of the world or of history in general, let alone history here in what we call the United States of America. It's not black and white like we've been led to believe. Because when you think of lynching, you might think millions of black folks were lynched, when in reality... Under 3,500 African Americans were officially lynched. I'm sure the number is much higher than that, but I doubt that it amounts to millions. And I'm sure that more than 1,297 white people have been lynched since 1888, but I doubt that it amounts in the hundreds of thousands, certainly not the millions. So when there's a noose found, or two nooses, or eight nooses found at an Amazon construction site, or when there's a rope found in the NASCAR garage of Darrell Wallace, or there's a rope around Jesse Smollett's neck, and he's got you know the receipt for the items that he paid for for these two black brothers to stage a racial assault on him in Chicago at like 3 o'clock in the morning and like negative 15 degree temperatures. We're supposed to think black people, racism, discrimination, we need a political party to make a difference. We need a political party to stop this discrimination. So what do we do? We turn to the people socially 
who have the most to say about how they love minority groups, about how they love the black community and other communities, about how they love the LGBTQ community. Now, that's what we're getting to tonight. But before we can get there, we can't reduce and simplify this to a black and white issue. That's what people on the right, people on the left, people down the center, that's what a lot of people want to do, whether it's based on their emotional states, their political views, their lack of historical knowledge. I don't know everything about history, but it just takes a moment to go to any major university website and just takes a moment. I mean, you can just even look up, use the NAACP, and you can find the data and the statistics on this. So since 1882, 3,446 African-Americans were lynched. Now, let's say that number's 10,000, 100,000. I want to know why that specific number of people being so low doesn't mean that those people that were lynched, be them black or white, about 1,200 plus whites were lynched as well since 1882. Why is that number more important and more significant? Is it because the act is more horrendous? Is it because the, 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 the things that we've seen in movies and TV shows have conditioned us to believe that that is the most horrific thing that could be done to a black person, that, that the noose itself is a symbol of that? Sure, it, it, it is, and it, it can be, and it might be. But see, the problem I have with this is the Bubba Wallace story was fake. The Jesse Smollett story was fake. And the nooses at Amazon, I just don't really see where they're going with that. I don't see how Amazon can say hate, racism, or discrimination have no place in our society. Yeah, they, they really don't. But what does that have to do with some rope hanging at a construction site? And let me ask you this question. How do you not know the difference between a piece of rope and a noose? Because according to reports the rope only resembled a noose. So was it a noose or was it a rope? Was it a a pull-down rope in a garage or was it a noose? And there are even staged photographs of this where I got online and looked it up today. You can find pictures of a noose hanging in Bubba Wallace's garage, but because they staged the photographs and then you go back and find, well, it wasn't actually a noose hanging there. It was a draw, it was a pull-down, a draw rope to just pull down the door, to draw the door down. So why is that story published? Well, it's published to make people angry. Mm, There's racists and they're hanging nooses at an Amazon facility. Now, I mean, it's different if like you've got a video of some some white person going to a black neighborhood and hanging nooses on the doorways of black homes like that's a little different. Uh, The whole the whole of human civilization shouldn't be overturned because some idiot did something stupid like that, you know, and that person should have the, 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 the crap kicked out of them and they should be put in jail. But even under those circumstances, how can you determine with any realistic expectation, logical expectation, that you can define what exactly motivation is in relation to a so-called hate crime. That, I guess, is for lawyers to decide. But if I decide, for, for whatever reason, you know, I like the Wild West. You know, I played Red Dead Redemption. And I decide, you know, for Halloween, I want to kind of do a spooky Wild West theme thing on my, my front lawn. And so I put up, like, 
a hangman's noose. You know, someone in the town's about to be hanged for stealing or for, 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 for killing somebody. And now suddenly, my, my Wild West display is racist. Suddenly, any movie where there's a noose, even if they're hanging a white guy who killed a bunch of people, who rode into town and slaughtered a family, and the sheriff strings them up and hangs them, I guess that's also what amounts to a black lynching. And that's the problem I have. We're making associations that aren't there. We're reacting emotionally to things that are not as dramatic as they should be. And when it comes to defining what a hate crime is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's such a gray area. And it's so difficult to define that when we actually get a clear-cut definition, when you read the FBI's data for hate crimes, the number of hate crimes in the United States are so limited because you can't really define what a hate crime is. Because just, just because a black person robs a white person, that doesn't mean that black people hate white people and vice versa. But the media will paint a black person attacking a white person as retribution for slavery, which is one of the most racial things that you can do in terms of how the media portrays it. But if a, if a white person defends themselves from that attack, suddenly that's still racist because... See, the true racism and discrimination and bigotry, all those things, that's an ideology. And you can call it a political ideology, and it is to some degree, but a political ideology that is hacked into another political ideology. Because we know that historically, the Democratic Party, and for the record, I am not a Republican, but the Democratic Party founded the Ku Klux Klan, And just as we know from this data from the Tuskegee Institute and from the University of Missouri, Kansas City, just one of a number of places you can find it, 3,446 African-Americans have been lynched since 1882 up to 1968, but 1,297 whites have been lynched. Why were those white people lynched? Because they didn't support slavery, because those were the same white people who were also attacked by the Ku Klux Klan. Because those white people didn't support the minority ownership of slaves. Those white people did not support the treatment of black folks, particularly in southern slave-owning states. And even in those slave-owning states, those citizens didn't necessarily support those plantation owners. A very small number of people own slaves. A very, very small number of people own slaves. And as of around 1807, the Continental Congress of the United States banned the importation of slaves. And sure, many of the founding fathers owned slaves, but the importance of that information is not to suggest, not to demand that we hate the founding of America because some of the founding fathers owned slaves. It's actually the opposite. Those people who owned slaves realized it was wrong. So when people tell you, how could someone like Thomas Jefferson who owned slaves write that all men are created equal? 
Well, there are a couple of reasons that are very logical why Thomas Jefferson could write something like that. Number one, it wasn't Thomas Jefferson's idea. It came from people like Locke. Locke had the idea that all people were created equal, that all people were born of a certain form of perfect freedom, and that they should be subject to the same respect an individual should be subject to the same respect as any other individual, that all men, and that you basically have a right to life, liberty, and property. Jefferson changed it to the pursuit of happiness, which is a relative statement, but you have a right to pursue something and to achieve what you want to achieve. It's a philosophy, okay? That's what it is. It's a philosophy. But Thomas Jefferson realized it was wrong, and so... We don't teach kids that in school. We don't teach kids that Thomas Jefferson wrote multiple pieces of legislation to end slavery. That the Continental Congress banned the importation of slaves. And that if the United States, before it became the United States, was such a racial, racially divided, racist, I guess you could call it provisional government before it became a federal government, my question is why did the southern slave-owning states initially refuse to participate in the establishment of a federal government? Would they not have wanted the support of a federal government to enforce their assets, to enforce the plantations, and to enforce the ownership of slaves? They didn't participate and didn't want to participate and had to be coerced into a compromise because the federal government intended to end slavery and indeed did everything in their legit power to end slavery. So that's the actual history, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, I even have a constitutional law book with all of the laws and and, and documents and pieces of legislation. It's a massive book. And that's, it's an old textbook, and you can just flip through that and find pieces banning slavery, ending slavery. So we need to understand history in that respect first, and we need to understand why today things like what we call critical race theory are being taught to children in school. One of the major reasons it's being taught to children in school is because it's training young children doesn't matter their skin color, but it's meant to train people of a different color skin, different things, that if you're white, you're inherently racist, right? And that furthermore, for Pride Month, because that is the main subject tonight, Pride and Prejudice, to teach young children that if they don't accept as not only human, but as not only normal, but as something that should be superior homosexuality and transgenderism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if they don't accept that and become a part of it, that they hate it. And so I have a hard time understanding something that I read in the news recently about how some states like Idaho, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Tennessee, and Texas have introduced bills to place limitations on lessons about race and inequality that are being taught in schools. 
And I read this article. It's a little bit confusing. Maybe you can help me figure this out. It talks about critical race theory as a study, and it breaks down systemic racism and institutional racism, and it basically teaches kids about those two things, and it teaches white kids that they have white privilege and other people don't have that privilege, right? Now, what I think of when I think of that is what you're basically doing is you're segregating an innocent population, you're marginalizing those groups, and you're telling that some some kids, since they don't have a certain color skin, that they are naturally superior, so they need to feel bad about that. And you're telling other kids, this isn't an opinion, by the way, this is the curriculum. You're telling other kids, black kids in particular, that they have been marginalized by the white kids, and they don't actually have a voice. So you'll be the voice for them. Okay, we've, we've seen that before in history. That's called owning a slave. That's called taking advantage of a group of people and using them for political and economic and social, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, purposes. That's what it's really all about. And that shows you that all the concerns that people have about racism and lynching and nooses and sexism and bigotry and plantations, those people never went away. They're still alive today. The ideologies never went away. They're still alive today. And those ideologies are preserved by the people today that now carry out their hatred and their bigotry under the disguise of equality and acceptance and justice and social movements. So if you don't like Jim Crow and you don't like racism and you don't like lynching, I think you need to be a little bit more of an investigator to research what it exactly is that you believe as an ideology, political or otherwise, and where that ideology comes from. In essence, exchanging labor for no profit under a whip, as the popular image is conjured, for no labor, but yet you're paid a small fee to do nothing except to vote for a certain political party. And those people have been placed historically since Ellis Island Island in ghettos and bust to support particularly democratic candidates a new form of slavery the ghettos then blossoming into the ghettos that we know today where statistically those communities have the highest rates of cancer diabetes heart disease you think about it you name it they have it And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of black folks dying from heart disease and cancer and diabetes. Every single year. Far more black folks die every month from those conditions than have been lynched since 1882. And yet we will not hear anything about that or the marginalization of those communities in the news. You won't hear about that on radio shows even because who wants to link Food or heart disease and that issue to that. This is a political issue. This is a historical issue. This is an issue of how horrible this country is. Now, these bills that are being presented in Tennessee, Texas, Ohio, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Louisiana. I was reading this and I thought, well, that's what I think of critical race theory. Let's let's basically see what the bills would prevent teachers from teaching. Now, people are upset that these states have these bills introduced to not ban, but just to limit 
what can be taught in school. This is what they limit. Each bill would ban teachers from teaching that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. That's a quote. One race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. So it would prohibit teachers from teaching that. It would also prohibit teachers from teaching, quote, or that, quote, an individual by virtue of the individual's race or sex is inherently privileged, racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or subconsciously, end quote. And that, quote, a meteorocracy is inherently racist or sexist or designed by a particular race or sex to oppress members of another race or sex, end quote. And that, quote, this state or the United States is fundamentally or irredeemably racist or sexist, end quote. That's what the bills actually say. And people are upset because it's racist to stop these these programs. It's racist to limit these programs. Well, if you read what the actual bills say, the actual bills basically sound like what critical race theory is designed to to cultivate an environment in which one race or sex is not inherently superior to another race or sex, where uh, as an individual, by virtue of your race or sex, you are not inherently privileged or not inherently racist or not inherently sexist or oppressive, whether consciously or subconsciously. That's what critical race theory is supposed to do, is it not? But that's not what critical race theory does. It does the opposite. It breeds racism. It breeds sexism. It breeds oppression. It breeds oppressors and oppressees. Because the real foundation of critical race theory is the same institutional, systemic ideology that bred the Ku Klux Klan. It's the same racist ideology that lynched white folks at about half the rate of black folks because they supported black people. I mean, you can even look this up in the National Archives. The founder of Pennsylvania, the founder of Pennsylvania, uh, just so you know, a, a white guy, the founder of Pennsylvania back in the 1600s wrote a paper about slavery. And uh, this paper was the disgust that the people of Pennsylvania had for the ownership of slaves. This was back in the 1600s. I've got a, I've got a copy of it. You can just type in, and I'll do it here in real time, William Penn, anti-slave petition. And you can pull it up, 1688, long, long, long time before the American history that most of us know. 1688, Germantown Quaker petition against slavery. All right, and that was written by the founder of Pennsylvania, William Penn. And uh, if you can read read it, it's hard to read the actual uh, paper it was written on, but you can find the the uh, the text for it. And that provides you with a little perspective that hmm, if all white people are inherently racist and bad, why were eleven hundred, twelve hundred, almost thirteen hundred white people lynched in the same time period that about three thousand five hundred black folks were lynched? Why was it that the Ku Klux Klan went after white people as well? Why is it that white people, a hundred years before the founding of the United States of America, were writing papers against the ownership of slaves, against the institution of slavery? Wouldn't that suggest that this isn't a black or white issue? 
that this is, if you want to argue institutional political, this is an institutional political issue. It's an institutional political issue that might be rooted more so in economics more than it is anything else. It's also rooted in class. It's rooted in the idea that some people are superior to other people. Something that you'll find in large groups and small groups and religious groups and nationalist groups and non-nationalist groups. You'll find it everywhere. You know, Jews are the chosen people, right? Christians have the best religion. Muslims have the best religion. You know, some blacks think they're better. Some whites think they're better. How about this? How about humans really are part of the same human family? And to teach anything else, to teach anything otherwise to children is to corrupt their minds in an ideology that is not only inherently false, omissive, and misleading, it's downright fraudulent, it's downright an assault on the human soul and spirit, on civilization as a whole, and it's fundamentally racist, bigoted, sexist, and all the other isms and ists that you can find and apply to the situation. That's what it really is. So why exactly do people discriminate? Well, some people discriminate societally because historically, if you were gay, you didn't procreate, you didn't contribute to society in the same way that was frowned upon. And whether or not that's considered right or wrong, people have a right to believe that. And unfortunately, through generations, that has lost its meaning. It's lost any kind of logic if it did have it, and it has become hateful to many people. And so The thing is, when we talk about Pride Month, as we'll get into here in the next hour, the thing about Pride Month is that people that are LGBTQ and somehow that filters or spills over into other issues, you can consider that a sect of society, a social group, etc. I don't think that or any other kind of sexual subject should be taught to children, first of all. But second of all, when it becomes militant and it becomes about enforcing those ideologies into people's minds, into their homes, it's not about creating an open, free environment. It's about creating the opposite, a closed environment of hatred where you can't have your own thought, no matter how otherwise disgusting or despicable or unacceptable that thought is in general society. That's what's dangerous. That's what we need to stop. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We'll be back. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books. Available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. 
all three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donation Subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. Are you thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhanced and improved sound quality, edit out those awkward pauses and slips, mix multiple clips and tracks, back volumes, deliver consistent sound, live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload to hosting, live call screening, balance levels and loudness, measure broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, no artwork. Or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast to audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire. The biggest thing is time. A lot of people that podcast don't have time. It's going to take you months to launch. If we did it for you, we could do it tomorrow. Visit thefringe.fm, join our team, and get jump started on your podcast today. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Everything is cool when you're part of a team. This is Jess Rogie, host of the Rogie Report, and you're listening to the Fringe FM, KTLK, digital broadcasting. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings Radio right here on The Fringe FM. I want to start this hour off, this segment off, by making a very controversial statement. The definition of the word pride is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements or the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. 
I feel it's a great disservice to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, etc. community or communities to themselves and to others to call any month Pride Month. Why exactly should you be proud of being lesbian, bisexual, gay, queer, etc., etc., etc.? Why is that something to be proud of? And I mean that sincerely. Why are you proud of your sexuality? Why exactly should I be proud of my sexuality? Why should that be a subject that I'm discussing with anybody, anywhere, at any time? Why should you be prideful of your sexuality? Why should you be prideful not only of your personal sexuality and your preferences, but of what in some cases amounts to promiscuity? Why should you be proud of that? These are serious questions. I'm sincerely looking for an answer. I don't really understand why one would be proud of that. Proverbs 16:18, if you want to read the Bible, probably not a good thing to reference tonight because you'll think this guy's a Republican who hates gay people. Well, no, but pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before the fall. Why would you want to be prideful of your sexuality? Now, historically, Proverbs, pride goes before a fall, would be a great reference point for societal destruction. That Pride Month goes before the fall of society. Now, where you think that the LGBTQ communities, lesbians, gays, bisexual queers and transgenders are actually being supported by such movements that they themselves concoct and create and that big technology allows to proliferate and the United States of America allows to be celebrated on the streets of major cities so long as it's, you know, a peaceful demonstration. That perhaps that movement, much like anti-racism, critical race theory, and the like are not really about creating a more inclusive environment, a more inclusive society, about creating understanding and love. Now, granted, I would imagine that 90, 99% of the people that go to a pride parade have a good time. They fly flags. Maybe they take some acid. They have a good time. They have some food. They have a drink. They listen to some music. Nothing's wrong with that. And that's where 99% of people are coming from. And they question why you would question what they're participating in. Why would you question or care about their sexuality? Which is, yes, my point exactly. Why are you concerned with people knowing your sexuality? See, I think we have to understand the reason in which people have historically discriminated against homosexuals in particular. I think people have, uh, have discriminated against homosexuals from the literature and from the history and just basic human psychology because traditionally the family structure and, and, and having children 
was really one of the major points to life. To, to grow, to learn, to expand, to experience. And in the process of doing that, to come across someone who was unable to do that because of their sexual status, if you will, that person didn't fit into the social paradigm because those two guys can't have a child. Those two girls can't have a child, at least in the traditional way. So that is looked upon as a problem. Now, that doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but that's historically how people have seen it. Societally, you're not only different, but you're not contributing to the community in the same way. Didn't say it was right or wrong. Just stay with me. Now, generationally, that has lost a lot of its meaning. Uh, that idea, the meaning of that has, has, has been lost. And I, I believe that there's an, a, a component of logical observation in that belief, and that has also been lost. And as a result of that loss, what was otherwise a partly logical and mostly a societal view, uh, a community view, it's become a form of illogical hatred or illogical fun-making amongst those groups of people. And it's made a lot of people feel really insecure and discriminated against. However, here's a problem that I feel nobody is addressing. I don't care what your sexuality is, what your gender is. I don't care what side of the political island you lean over. Uh, I'm concerned with the process of thought. Hear me out. The process of thought. If I'm in my home and I think, you know, I don't particularly like my neighbors who are homosexual. I might not know why I think that. I might just know that I don't like them. Maybe it's because I was brought up with a Bible. Maybe it's because I was brought up not so much with religion, but with the idea that marriage and companionship and sex is for the procreation of children. Maybe that meaning, that logic, that understanding has been lost. So I just kind of have this dislike, right? I have, or other people around me have a hatred for whatever reason. I develop that hatred. Well, I don't really care what you think, but anybody who has that viewpoint should be able to have that viewpoint, maintain that viewpoint at, at minimal inside of their head and especially inside of their home. To suggest that we should eliminate and eradicate that viewpoint is to eliminate and eradicate free thought. Because part of the reason people have historically viewed homosexuals and others as either inferior or as the act of homosexuality as wrong or even degrading is because not only are you not having children, are you not procreating, are you not contributing to the community in those ways historically when those things mattered a lot, when population numbers might have been lower, when you needed 
to have a family, when you needed people to work together and to do things. A lot different today, of course. But that is such an important component to understand because if you don't realize the history of that and why people might have those feelings, then everything just seems like it's based on, on ignorance. And I think the irony is is that there is ignorance in believing that you can eliminate those ideas. Because what happens is you can give a nice speech, a nice talk, have a nice parade about ending hatred and discrimination. But how do you actually end those things when they are rooted in very, very basic human psychology? Like, as a human being, if I'm out in a parking lot at 3 o'clock in the morning... As I was on my cross-country trip, this happened one night, and I was sleeping in the car. My fiance Hope is next to me. She's sleeping, and I'm kind of half asleep, half awake, and she says, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And this guy starts walking around the front of the car, and he comes up to my window, and he knocks on the window. And I'm half asleep, and I he said something. I didn't even know what time it was at that moment, and I, 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 I said, what? You know, I couldn't really, I'm not really processing things. And he's like, oh man, my car broke down. I'm having like a car issue. Can you, can you help me? And I'm trying to process this. I was like, no, I'm not going to help you. But he kept talking. And when he kept talking, he pulls up his shirt and he's like, look, I'm not a robber. I'm not a robber. I ain't got no gun. And I thought, well, you probably do have a gun. It's in your back pocket. So silly me. The first time we actually stopped, I didn't have my gun out. So I told the guy, like, hold on one second. And I backed the car out and drove away. And then the other cars at the place also backed out and drove away and passed us on the interstate. Uh, Maybe the guy really was broken down. But see, I didn't care that he was black or any other color. I was concerned that at 3 o'clock in the morning in a place that I didn't know, somebody was coming up to my car telling me they weren't going to rob me, knocking on my window, wanting me to get out of the car. Okay, the instinct there is I'm threatened. I would like not to be in this situation. I'm going to leave. Okay, and I think that's really critical and really important. When somebody walks in a room, you look out of instinct because that could be a threat. That's the animal instinct. That's why we look at people who are different than us as potentially being a threat. Now, consciously, over the, the decades, human beings have developed a better understanding of community and society and realize that people that look different aren't necessarily a threat. We've built a better society, a better world on the principle of true equality, etc. Okay, so to suggest that we go into the home and we tell the, the people in the home, you can't have that thought. Well, people are innately going to have that thought. Regardless, it doesn't matter if they're black, white, green, purple, yellow, red. And to eliminate that thought, that instinct of, I don't want to be in this situation right now. This seems dangerous. I'm going to leave, is to rip open a vulnerability and to essentially regress human society to a time of barbarism, as far as I'm concerned, because it eliminates the instinct. And the only way to enforce that, the only way to enforce that ideology is to do so through the barrel of a gun, like Mao Zedong said. 
Because the only way you're going to get people to stop thinking those thoughts is you have to get into the mind to do it. So you can start out by saying, we want to end racism. We shouldn't have discrimination against sexuality or gender. Fine. And in the United States, you can't discriminate against race. You can't discriminate against people with medical conditions. You can't discriminate against people for gender or sexuality. There are laws that protect people against that. Federal laws that protect people against that. But See, people don't know that. So they fight for other forms of equality that are more tic-tac. They're more surface level, like, we want a right to get married. Well, you already have a human right. Um, marriage isn't a human right. Marriage is a privilege that government grants you. Therefore, you're acknowledging that government has all the power and you want them to make a concession for your personal views and your personal beliefs. Now, see, I, I guess I'm someone you would consider straight. I don't think the government has any business being in my marriage, whether I'm marrying a woman or a raccoon. Uh, government has no business being in my marriage any more than it has been in the marriage of the gay guy or the gay girl down the street. Okay? That's my actual view on that subject. In terms of the instinct and the psychology, there's only one way to stop people from having those thoughts. Okay, You can eradicate it from normal social interactions, and it is pretty much eliminated from normal social interactions. Our society has progressed immensely in these ways. But if you want to suggest through, we have to stop racism, sexism, bigotry, etc., the only way you can do that is through militarism. The only way you can do that is through authoritarianism. When the idea that we should celebrate and have pride for a, a certain sect or a certain social group becomes militant. The problem is when we take a sect or a social group and we say, let's have pride for them. Let's allow them to be prideful. Let's teach it to children. Let's teach it in schools. Let's mix it with racism and sexism and other forms of direct and indirect perceived and unperceived discrimination, make it militant and stop people from ultimately thinking these things, you're not talking about acceptance and equality and justice anymore. You're talking about stopping people from having free thought. And if you're talking about stopping people from having free thought, the only way you can even attempt to do that outside of the structured, organized, systemic, institutional forms of anti-discrimination in big tech, in media, TV, movies, etc., is to get into the home in another way. And the ultimate end of any authoritarian, draconian measure is the direct physical assault on the vessel that carries out those thoughts that you want to stop. It ends in the opposite of love, the opposite of acceptance, the opposite of equality, and the opposite of justice. It ends in hatred, discrimination, inequality, and injustice. It ends with the destruction of free thought. 
It ends with thought police. Now, as I'm saying this, I'm looking at my browser, and I have a page pulled up on LGBTQ, and there's a heart with all the colors and brown and black, and it's pulsating on my screen, and I guess I'm supposed to look at that heart for Pride Month and think, hmm, you know, these people have really been discriminated against. Uh, I feel really bad for them, and I'm going to support this cause. Problem is, I think, hmm, you know, if I were lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, whatever, and uh, I came across uh, a group of people that were also of a certain sexual or gender association, I would think, you know, I feel a little bit discriminated against because this group assumes that I've been discriminated against. And even if I had been discriminated against, um, that's just part of life. Because you're never going to stop that unless you have a gun pointed at somebody's head. And even then you can't stop free conscious thought. So in order to do that, you get people that feel this way, that get into a group And you start to think, okay, anything that questions what I view is discrimination. And that spreads to other things. It's not just sex or gender. To the point where even comedians can't make jokes anymore. So now you start to suck not only the thoughts and the consciousness out of people. You suck the life, the comedy, the fun, the joy out of people. You basically suck the life out of people and you shrivel up those other groups. Now, why would you want to do that? And why would you use the LGBTQ community to do that? Because that community is, in essence, a minority around the world. Lesbians, gays, homosexuals, transgenders, bisexuals, they make up truly less than 5% of the entirety of the U.S. population, less than 5% of the U.K. population. And in some countries, if you're gay, they, they do kill you still. Okay. So, such a small percent of the population, what you're doing is you're marginalizing that group, you've identified that group, and you've militarized that group to target the remainder of society. And you've done the same thing with other communities under the guise of protecting those communities. You've militarized them and you've sent them out to assault anybody who thinks differently. Even if they are black, even if they are gay and they don't support the LGBTQ community. See, We've militarized individual ideologies to the point where the only beneficial thing outside of people feeling like they're accepted for who they are, even when they've never actually been discriminated against or discrimination is manufactured as a consensus of the individual collective group, you've conditioned people and organized people and militarized people into supporting something based on love when it has nothing to do with love. It has everything to do with supporting the pride. That's what it's about, Pride Month. Supporting pride. And as you support the pride, you don't realize that the next phase is the fall. 
And you might think, Ryan, pride coming before a fall. That's a Christianized conservative view. No, I don't think you understand what I mean. This has nothing to do with the Bible. I'm simply quoting Proverbs. What I'm saying is pride comes before a fall. Historically, pride comes before a fall. Do you know where the words that we use today, a lot of them came from? Do you know where the first transgender surgery was performed? Do you know where a lot of the rhetoric comes from for LGBTQ? It comes from uh, a number of uh, different people in the 20th century. Uh, a person named Carl Maria Kurtbenny coined the word homosexuality or homosexual in 1869. And in 1910, Magnus Hirschfeld invented the term transvestite. It described cross-dressers and transgender people. Now, a lot of people wore clothes that were associated with the opposite sex, usually on special occasions. Others uh, would live as the other gender, different than what they were born with, whatever their gender was. And uh, gender affirmation surgeries became available, uh, available particularly in Germany. Uh, in 1920, 1921, 22, 23, 24, during the Weimar Republic years, transgenderism, homosexuality, promiscuity, etc., were an average day advertisement in Weimar, Germany. And it got to the point where the German people were becoming upset with it because children were seeing it and it was part of the culture now the German people at the time didn't like just hate people for no reason Uh, they didn't like that their children were exposed to hardcore promiscuous pornography on the streets they didn't like Magnus Hirschfeld's Institute for Sexual Science and his invention essentially he, he coined the term transvestite because it destroyed the foundational structure of the German family. And we know what happened next with Hitler. We must be careful about using the word pride so frivolously and frugally, because pride indeed comes before a fall, and if we don't understand history, we are doomed to repeat it. And perhaps the repeating of history is the ultimate goal of those that stand behind these movements. But a history that will result in a different outcome than the one we have traditionally seen. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. And we'll conclude when we get back from break. Right here on the Fringe FM, www.thesecretteachings.info is the website. Please go to the website, subscribe to the archive. When you subscribe, you support the show, the network, and yourself. Get access to all the shows after they air all the digital books, and for $45 in the month of June 2021, for the month of Letha, the summer solstice, $45 gets you access to all of it and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the U.S. Check it out at www.thesecretteachings.info. We'll be back. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... 
I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM and join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in soft cover or PDF at www.com. TheSecretTeachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donation Subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings.
I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings Radio right here on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday, five nights a week. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, where you can find our full show archive. You can also find my books on the website, Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, and Occult Arcana. When you grab one of those books, you support the show, just like when you subscribe, or for the month of June, our subscription special, you get access to the whole show archive, and you get a free copy of one of my books, a huge value. It's only $45 for the month of June. The whole year, access to the archive, downloading and streaming every show, and a physical copy of one of my books, and you get digital access to all the books as well. On the website, just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or use the PayPal email rdgable at yahoo.com or use that same email to email me with questions about that or anything, rdgable at yahoo.com if you guys want to get in contact with me here on The Secret Teachings. Pride goes before the fall, as the saying is, or pride goeth before destruction. June is the month of pride, as we see all throughout the media, blasted everywhere. Pride, pride, pride. Almost as if it's overtaking coronavirus as the biggest topic of our day. The idea of Pride Month being associated with June goes back to 1969. During an event outside of the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar in Greenwich Village of New York City, where police and gay rights activists clashed with each other. It was called the Stonewall Riots or the Stonewall Uprising, June 28, 1969. And since around that time, June has been considered the month of Pride. Now, I looked up the rainbow flag to try and understand exactly where this association between the rainbow flag and the LGBTQ Pride Month and community, where this comes from. And it officially, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, goes back to 1978 when artist Gilbert Baker, who was a drag queen and openly gay man, designed the first rainbow flag. And he said that he was urged to by Harvey Milk, one of the first openly gay elected officials in the United States. There was a movie made about him. I think uh, Sean Penn played uh, Harvey Milk. And he wanted to create this symbol of pride for the gay community. And he decided to make that symbol a flag because he said flags were these powerful symbols of pride in general. And he wanted to use that that commonality for the the gay or the LGBT community. And he said in an interview that, quote, our job as gay people was to come out, to be visible, to live in the truth, as I say, to get out of the lie. A flag really fit that mission because that's a way of proclaiming your visibility or saying, this is who I am, end quote. And so they adopted the colors for the flag, and I didn't know this. I learned this. Hot pink is a symbol for sex. Red is a symbol for life. Orange is a symbol for healing. Yellow is a symbol for sunlight. Green is a symbol for nature. Turquoise for art. Indigo for harmony. And violet for spirit. 
I know some people view that flag as having other meanings, that each color represents some class of people that are part of the so-called LGBTQ movement or community, sect, whatever they want to call it, like pink for lesbians, or I've heard all kinds of things. But that's the official history of the rainbow flag. That's, that's where it comes from. But a lot of people are saying, according to an article that was published this morning, June 4th, 2021, or yesterday, depending on where you're listening, a lot of LGBTQ people are saying, according to this article from CNBC, that a rainbow logo isn't enough. They want more. They, they want more. Because they say that the LGBTQ community isn't recognized enough and isn't accepted enough. And so they need more displays of lesbianism and transgenderism and sexuality, etc., etc., etc. Now, June 2020 of last year, June 2020, the Supreme Court ruled that U.S. workers cannot be fired for being homosexual or transgender. And for a lot of LGBT people, that was a huge statement by the U.S. Supreme Court. What I found odd about that statement is you already couldn't be discriminated against for those kinds of reasons. Uh, And the Supreme Court just reinforced that. Uh, There are cases that go to the Supreme Court that essentially have already been decided before, but these are cases that go to the Supreme Court and they are reviewed, and then there's a declaration made. And a lot of people don't know how the system works, so they think, oh, that's the first time anybody's ever ruled that you can't be fired for being homosexual. I'm a little bit confused here though all right if you're part of this movement please try to enlighten me i don't understand what sexuality has to do in the workplace okay because as far as my employer anywhere i've ever worked is concerned uh, i'm an employee who comes to work does a job i get paid and i go home sexuality in this regard has nothing to do with the workplace okay Personally, I I like to dress nice a lot of the time. I like to keep myself clean. And uh, I would, it would be for most people, uh, I think, pretty indistinguishable whether if you stood me next to an openly homosexual person, unless they openly were homosexual, uh, which one of us were homosexual? So if you got a line of people at a job, how do you know who's gay and who's not gay? That's my question. I mean, you can kind of tell where people lean politically, you know, when they're usually overweight and they have pink hair and they have, you know, ice cream T-shirts on. You can usually tell where they lean politically, but that's their expression. You know, uh, I just don't know why that is a subject that's in the workplace. So why would why would you be in an environment work or social and just bragging constantly i'm gay i'm gay i'm gay why Uh, no straight person does that okay why you need to be proud of your decision openly publicly is a little bit beyond me like i'm a little bit prideful of the decisions i've made in my life to get to where i am on radio um but i don't brag about them constantly 
I don't brag about the last time I masturbated. I don't brag about the last time I had sex. I don't brag about the last person I had sex with or the last time I did something sexual. You know, uh, who does that? I don't even think homosexual people do that. So why is that the idea in the media? I think that's very discriminatory against those people. That's why I've said, and I believe this for a long time, I think LGBT or LGBTQ, whatever you want to call it, whatever you define it as, I think that movement has been hijacked and it's used to exploit those people to marginalize the rest of society in the same way Black Lives Matter effectively works as a modern-day Ku Klux Klan to target any individual who doesn't support the movement, black or white, and to target those people for a new form of discrimination, which is the old form of discrimination, but it's a form of discrimination under the guise of stopping discrimination. I mean, Black Lives Matter literally is the new Ku Klux Klan. And it, it's run by the same racists and bigots and millionaire elitists that ran the Ku Klux Klan. And unfortunately, LGBTQ is essentially being run the same way, at least by the media. Now, it's unfortunate because you'll have local chapters of these groups who don't believe those things. They think they're fighting equality. Great. That's the problem. They think that's what they're doing, but they're not investigating what they're participating in. I'll give you a great example. I was slightly involved in minor political processes when I lived in Orlando, just looking for jobs. And I went to a political event one time and there was a group there that sound what they said sounded really great. We want to stop, you know, in inflation. We want to give Americans, uh, I guess the ability to have more money to spend. We want to get people jobs like great. Oh, sounds fantastic. Uh, and then when I got involved with them, I realized, Oh, they're funded by the Koch brothers and their goal is to end the regulations of the EPA and other government agencies that would then allow the Koch brothers to operate their plants uh, without any regulations or restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, hmm, uh, I don't support that, but the whole movement was about how I want to help the environment. But when you get involved with it, it's about destroying the environment, basically, at the behest of those who want to make profit. Okay, so we have to understand the psychological tool and how it's used today. It's basically everything. It's like flying a false flag. Okay, you're flying the flag of an opponent. Like, you don't really want people to have free thought and be equal, but you have to say that you do. So when you institute your critical race theory and you institute your marginalized, empowered group, Everybody thinks, we can't combat these groups. We can't combat these theories and what they're being used for in schools. Because then we'd be horrible people. We'd be supporting the hatred. But you know where most of that hatred and most of that bigotry exists? It exists in the mouths, the loud mouths of the protesters who have their pictures taken. And those pictures are put online and on social media so that this creates a narrative that can be controlled and an idea that can be controlled, and it's essentially mind control. It creates this image of the world that's not really, not really, it's not a thing. It's not real. And so the pushback against some states like North Carolina, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Texas, Idaho, Louisiana, 
saying, we don't want critical race theory taught in our schools. And people are like, ah, that's racist. And then you read what the legislation says, and it reads like what you would think critical race theory would be teaching. If it's supposed to be about equality, it basically says that you can't teach children that one race or one sex is inherently superior to another. That by an individual, uh, by their virtue of their race or sex, is they're not inherently privileged, racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or subconsciously. You basically can't teach kids how to be bigots. Okay? And I don't see why people have an issue with that. You shouldn't teach kids how to be bigots. But see, people think, well, if we're not teaching the theory, we're not teaching the ideology, they're caught up on that. They're not caught up on what the ideology or the theory does or what it says or what it expresses or what it cultivates. They're not interested in the origins of BLM or the origins of LGBT. They're not interested in what those groups are used for, even if the origins were not malicious. They're not interested in the history of Magnus of Magus Hirschfeld. They're not interested in the history of what a transvestite is and how that somehow became the basis for the promotion of pornography and promiscuinity. They're not interested in the intelligence agencies and their investments in the drugs and the sex and the rock and roll. They're not interested in the counter-revolutionary movements to oppress revolutions against things like war and against things like actual discrimination, etc. They're not interested in the statistics of hate crimes, which are minimal to none in the United States. They're not interested in official statistics and data points for the history of lynching since the 1800s, that under 4,000 blacks have been lynched and just under 2,000 whites have also been lynched. They're not interested in William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania, writing in the 1600s with other white colonists how they despised slavery and how they wanted to end slavery. They're not interested in the U.S. Congress eliminating the legality and preventing the importation of slaves. In the early 1800s, they're not interested in people who own slaves realizing this is wrong. I'm freeing my slaves. We're going to do this in a legal, lawful manner. We're convincing other people to do this. We're establishing a strong government to eradicate this horrendous, horrendous act that has existed since the history of man began and which exists in the world today. They're not interested in that. They're not interested in telling every single person they meet who thinks differently than them or who looks differently than them that they are a racist, a sexist, or a bigot because of the color of their skin, the type of clothes that they wear, or the political leanings that they have. But they are interested in omitting any detail that could interfere with their emotional ideology. They're interested in omitting any information that could bring perspective to what they believe. And they're certainly not interested in comparing what they perceive as discrimination against themselves with what they do to other people to prevent themselves from being discriminated against, i.e. discriminating against other people. And they're not interested in logical conversations on the subject. 
They're not interested in having a discussion at all. They're interested in yelling and screaming. They're interested in promoting material that supports their views and nothing else. They're interested in emotion. They're interested in a version of what amounts to anarchy and Marxism. They're interested in these things without knowing they're interested in them. They're interested in things that they don't understand the history of. Now, you look around in June 2021 and you see that U.S. embassies are allowed to fly the pride flag. And uh, news articles like this from The Guardian that America's gun obsession is rooted in slavery. And uh, you read it, and they just basically tell you that white people were afraid of slaves, so they had guns to protect themselves. Uh, That's not even close to kind of even being remotely true. What do you mean? White people were afraid of slaves, so they had guns. Um, You understand that some slaves fought for the British which all were British, essentially. Some fought for the colonists. A lot of those that fought for the British were never given their freedom. You understand that white people, um, about 98% of white people, uh, did not support uh, slavery. Uh, You understand that, like, a very small percentage of people owned slaves. You understand, like, at the time... Uh, it was radical to even suggest that such a thing should be abolished. You understand that what's really being done is you're taking a nation that has a sordid past like any other nation. It's more recent, so it's more perceptible. And you're targeting one component of it and associating the horrible things that were done within that one component with the whole of the nation itself to even eliminate the official history that the United States of America virtually ended slavery for the first time officially in the history of the world. Why would you want to eradicate that knowledge? The only reason you'd want to eradicate that knowledge is to promote the very thing that you claim that you stand against or that you you, you don't represent, that you're fighting against. And so you might hear this show tonight and think, oh, this guy's an absolute moron. Okay, well, maybe if you listen to what I said, I'm telling you that The LGBTQ community, whatever you want to call it, they are being discriminated against. They're being discriminated against by the people who use them as a political weapon. They're being discriminated against by being convinced that you need to scream about your sexuality, that you need to scream about your gender, that you need to tell everybody about it, that you need to have pride for it. Let me tell you this, pride does come before a fall, and the night, uh, the the show title tonight, Pride and Prejudice, is a lot more than just, you know, a book title rebranded. This is the pride, but the prejudice is enforcing the pride. That's the prejudice. Historically, the pride in the 1920s Weimar Republic of Germany led to the fall, ultimately, 
of Germany through the opposite radicalization of the people and the ideologies. And for some bizarre reason, um, you can look this up. In the 20s, it was uh, Berlin. But in the 21st century, it's Israel. Israel is considered uh, one of or the LGBTQ capital. Um, and for some reason, in most of the you know polling, pollings that are, that are done, uh, Jewish people tend to support LGBTQ, homosexuality, even bestiality in some uh, polls I've read, uh, more than any other group of people. And it just, it also happened to be Jewish people, uh, one in particular, who founded the Institute for Sexual Science that performed the first sexual surgeries in Germany in the 20s. Um, it doesn't necessarily imply or mean anything about Jewish people. It just, there's a long sorted history here that the average person is oblivious to. And the average person is concerned about flying a, uh, a pink, red, yellow, blue flag on the embassy uh, or singing a song in drag at a pride festival. You know, um, there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, and then you see things like pride lives matter. It's just a rebranding of black lives matter. Do you not? It's the same groups. It's the same people. It's it's taking what you perceive as marginalized groups and exploiting them for political purposes, because, yes, in the United States of America, as in the rest of the world, homosexuality, bisexuality, transgenderism are extreme minorities. And those groups don't have the billions of dollars to get the coverage that they get. So somebody is exploiting these groups and using them and investing billions of dollars to promote this image. Why? It's a small minority in the world. Why? Does that mean they're a small minority? We shouldn't learn about it and talk about it? No, but why? Where's this money coming from? Why is this being promoted to everybody, including children, like it was in the 20s in Berlin, Germany? Why is that happening? You know, for the average person around the world, uh, they're not concerned about their sexuality or their gender constantly. Uh, the, the people that are invested in this apparently don't have anything else to live for in life, so this becomes their image and their identity. Their politics become their identity. They become absorbed and consumed by it, radicalized by it, and then used to support whatever it is that the cult ideology wants to do. And what this is all about, ultimately, is marginalizing these groups omitting critical details and militarizing these groups against the mass majority of the population and society. You want to destroy the strong, in this case, the whole of society, the majority of people. You take all the minority groups, militarize them, and set them loose on the mass majority. And if those people in the mass majority capitulate, they're part of the cult. If they don't, they need to be exterminated, be them white, be them black, be them straight, be them gay. Because, ladies and gentlemen, pride comes immediately before the fall. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. I really hope that you understand the angle that I took tonight in speaking about this subject. If you'd like to support this show, if you'd like to hear more, tonight was our third official show back from the break 
You can find our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe today. When you subscribe for one year, you get access to the archive, the montages. I forgot to mention that. All of my digital books. And for only $45 for the month of June, the summer solstice Letha, $45 donations get you access to all of that for the year and a physical copy of one of my books, autographed, free shipping in the United States. We also ship around the world. If you want to buy the books separately or you want to buy the combined book deal, we have all three books at a discounted price. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. We have a lot planned for next week from the Idaho National Laboratory to uh, a really interesting cult I learned about when I traveled through Florida uh, to the Grand Canyon. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast of The Secret Teachings. But don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.